is up Salem. Whoa. Spooky season is upon us here at the Amateur Nerds Podcasting Studio. As if we have a studio. (laughs) It's the season of the witch, Tondra. Indeed it is. And who better to lead us into this season of the witch than classic Kenny Ortega, 1993, Hocus Pocus. Yes, this is our Hocus Pocus review. This is not an episode of Wildcat Minute, obviously, but it's a movie directed by High School Musical director Kenny Ortega, so we thought it was appropriate. Yeah, we didn't want to leave the feed for too long. We missed you all. Yeah, and and we also have not talked for the last yeah, month. Yeah, like literally, <laughs> this podcast is the only reason that I and Tyler talked to each other. Like, we were like, we oh, sent some text messages, but like actually talking, it's like, oh yeah, I guess I guess maybe we should talk to each other. Do you want to record a podcast? <laughs> I tried calling you when you were at work. I was at quotes. work. <laughs> it was a boring show too. I've been going around to people in my community going, has thee seen my sister? (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. So we're buckling, folks. This is a one episode, one review, one movie talking about Hocus Pocus, the 1993 Kenny Ortega classic, cult classic. I will briefly introduce the movie and then we'll get into the plot and then. More like an occult classic. Ah, so clever, Tyler. (laughs) So Um. (laughs) this movie did get a theatrical release back in the day. It did not do well. It was not until several years later when it was released on television. It finally reached the right market and has since become a cult classic spawning a book and another movie and potentially another another movie. A sequel that we're not going to talk about this year, at least. No, because it's not directed by Kenny Ortega, and Kenny had nothing to do with that one. Although, my my fun fact about that is, in the same way Kenny was the director and choreographer of Hocus Pocus 1, uh, the director was also the choreographer for Hocus Pocus 2. Oh, that is interesting. It seems like Kenny is more of a director for hire at this stage in his career. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely, he's um, working on Newsies as well right now. Newsies also came out in 93, I think, or It's a one for me, one for you type thing, yeah. Yeah, so he's definitely in the thick of it right now before he he launches to High School Musical fame. But (laughs) uh, he does get to work with a pretty impressive cast in this film, uh, namely Bette Midler, the, the uh, our head witch, our head Sanderson sister, uh, Winifred, and then also Sarah Jessica Parker. This is pre-Sex in the City, though, so she's still rising at this point. As um, oddly enough, Sarah Sanderson, and then Kathy Nan Jimmy. I should have Najimi? looked. Najimi. I should have looked this up properly beforehand. I think everybody who does their yearly Hocus Pocus review has the tradition of messing up Kathy Najimy's name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, playing Mary Sanderson. And then our plucky cast of kids, Omri Katz playing Max, Thora Birch playing Danny, and then Vanessa Shaw playing Allison. And then, um, of course, have to mention Doug Jones as the delightful Billy Butcherson, our, our zombie friend, um, as well as a variety of adults and other random children 
there's a there's a guy who plays Binks. What's his name? Thackeray. Uh, Thackeray. Um, Thackeray Binks. Yes, yeah, so voiced by Sean Murray, but the or excuse me, Jason Marsden, and then the boy himself is Sean Murray. Oh, Gary Gary and Penny Marshall um, play the devil and uh, his wife. Yeah. And they're a, they're a classic like sibling duo, duo in comedy. Yeah, but they're playing a husband and, <laughs> husband wife, and wife in this. But which I think is it fine. works for it though because they are very antagonistic against each other. But we'll get there. So, in case you have not seen this movie and are just picking up the feed because uh, you like High School Musical, we're gonna run through the plot. But basically, three witches who lived in Salem back. During, like, Salem Witch Trial times, 1693, which is a little later um, than the the famous trials, curse Salem in that they can be resurrected if a virgin lights a specific candle on Halloween night when there is a full moon. Such specific (laughs) conditions. Yes. Yeah. It is, like, if you were to look at it, because a full moon doesn't very often fall on Halloween night, so it... Wait, is that also a stipulation that it has to be full moon, too? Yes. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's part of the curse. And that does... Or Winifred does say it during the movie, too. So, yeah. So, it's a very specific curse. And right before she curses Salem, she curses this child named Thackeray, uh, also known as Binks, and will, will probably be easier just to call him Binks the rest of the movie because the TH does not come well out well on Jar Mike. Jar Binks. No, B-I-N-X. Yeah, it just feels feels obligatory. Jar Jar Binks, you I, know. I suppose so. Slightly better CGI character. <laughs> Honestly, if they would have <laughs> just had the Salem puppet from Sabrina the Teenage Witch... Although this may predate that TV show. I'm not quite sure yeah, where that falls the, in the timeline. The puppet, the black cat puppet whose name is Salem in Sabrina the Teenage Witch is an intentionally like not even close to the Uncanny Valley character. Like it's obviously a rigged up puppet, but it's part of the part of the charm. I would argue this, that's like, part of the camp of this is is this Thackeray who's sometimes animated, sometimes is a puppet. Sometimes is an animatronic. I like when he's a real cat. Yeah. Then... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Can't beat the real cat. Like, it's fun to watch a real cat, like, run up a tree. <laughs> yeah. So, actually, there were eight cats used. Um, so, I just watched this movie on Freeform the other night as thirty as 31 Nights of Halloween. And they had the pop-up edition, which meant... They had those fun little bubbles. Sometimes the facts were not good, and they were like a sad intern trying to make millennial jokes on screen, which made me sad. Yeah, but that's sometimes fine. there were actually fun facts, like the number of cats used for for Binks. So that being said, what I was getting to was right before they curse Salem, they curse this young boy named Thackeray Binks and turn him into an immortal cat. Uh, basically, his soul is linked to their souls in some weird way that's never really explained. And so then we see the witches do that and then they get hanged. And then we jump into 1993. 
Salem. Yeah. On Halloween. Most of the plot takes place in 1993, but there's like 10 minutes of the movie that take place in 1693. It's a little bit too long. It's we can we can cut through this some of this to just to get to the the actual characters that we're going to be working with here. Like Binks, you don't even need really need the backstory of Binks like but it develops, trying to rescue his sister and then but it develops why he pushes Max so hard to protect Danny. Yes, there's like a parallelism there between older brother and younger sister because Binks couldn't save his sister, so he wants Max to do that for his own. But also, like, Max has the thing of, like, wanting to push away his sister at the beginning. And I feel like that's enough of a plot thread of be like, no, he has to learn how to not push away his sister and to protect his sister. It'd be one thing if if Thackeray had done the same thing where he was, like, specifically careless about his sister, and then that led to something going wrong. But he's not. The very, like one of the very first things he does is go find, try to he, find his sister. He wakes up saying, and realizes his sister is not in the bed next to him. Like that is his yeah. first action I, on I screen. I just, I loved, I loved the very like bare bones trying to say things in old fashioned Shakespeare talk. Yeah, that's why I wrote down has thee seen my sister because thee and thou's, which yeah. aren't really used appropriately, but it's fine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And the other thing is the witches are like trying to get caught. Like, oh, 100%. There's a, there's a giant sky beam that they're using to attract children, but only one kid ends up pulling up. And this, like the sky beam's got to be up there for long enough that like so other people are noticing. That sky beam is actually like, so, you know, in Shrek 2, when they find the fairy godmother's factory and there's that like sparkly smoke coming out of the the factory oh okay it's that's that's it's their smoke brewing from their cauldron i thought it was like a beacon like a like a video game muster point (laughs) nope so thackeray's like oh they're brewing and then sarah so we discover this intro is really to kind of set up what the witch's powers are and kind of establish rules of magic. So Sarah's special ability is she can sing this special song and lure children. Yes. She's the alluring one, both in a singing songs to children way and in a um, bodily appearance way, seduction way, which is part of her character too. She has a sort of horny personality. Yeah. Even her costume is, it's slitted in ways that historically that would not have been. She's not wearing any undergarments underneath her corset, which would be super uncomfortable. One of the major lines that she says in the opening scene after they turn young is, boys Boys will will love love me me. now. Yeah. (laughs) And then Kathy, nope. Mary, played by Kathy. Her ability is to smell children. So she she smells Sarah that, coming with Emily this young. That's really the that's really the short shrift of honestly <laughs> and like being Winifred's lackey in every sense of the word. Like Mary has it somewhat together where Sarah is like ditzy and has no idea what's going on ever and is just like eating bugs. They're the the three stooges. Like they're they're slapstick. It's like yeah, Winifred is the is the smart one. Um, who runs the show and 
There's the quote unquote ditzy one. And then there's the one who is like stuck getting also hit. there. <laughs> she's she's the Peggy. Um I've well, I've been watching the HBO Max television show Three Busy Debras, which is excellent comedy, female written and female starring sketch comedy, except it's like the same characters every single time. And it's got the same thing, or like there's the one Deborah who's like the one who's the boss. And then there's the one other Deborah who's like the really stupid one. And then there's the other Deborah who's like the schemey evil one. Like you, you break it down. Mary's you know, it's the any, middle any... child of it. We discover yeah. later, but she's the middle. Okay. Chi- she's the middle child in every respect. Like she does what Winifred says. She. Takes, she's mostly there to like she's the punching make bag. barking noises and like get her ear grabbed by Winifred. Yeah, and make funny faces, which she is excellent. She does at a good doing. job of, yeah. And then Winifred can wield the book. <laughs> the book. The book. And so yes, the book is like some sort of magical MacGuffin. It has an eye and it's made of human skin. <laughs> and holds all these dark, powerful spells. And the book is also somewhat cognizant in that Winifred can be like, help me out here, book, and it will flip to a page that would have a beneficial spell for her. Yeah. So the opening scene is kind of like setting up the witches more, like almost more than the yeah. the Thackeray stuff. It's like, okay, these are their character traits. They each get a little bit of their like shtick going. It also sets up like later in the movie when they have to make the potion again. They're like going through the same motions. And so that's familiar too. But really, I think we can just fast forward to, okay, they get hanged and we jump forward 300 years. Yeah. And what do you think is the largest time jump? I guess like 2001 or 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like what's the largest edit of a time jump in a movie? I mean, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has starts with the Big Bang and then like fast forwards through everything to yeah. I guess there's there's definitely some movie that's like in the beginning of the universe and then it's like today. Yeah, so yeah, but three hundred years is is not nothing to sneeze at. Absolutely, and it definitely totally shifts. Uh, we're in a classroom. <laughs> We discover that this this flashback is actually a teacher in a classroom in Salem telling the story of the Sanderson sisters to a group of kids that have clearly heard it every year for the last 15 years of their lives. Well, the funny thing about the story is that she's telling the story as a way of saying like, and they never figured out what happened to Thackeray Binks, even though the like the explicit purpose of this flashback is to set up the character of Thackeray Binks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's one boy in the class who thinks this is all just a bunch of hocus pocus. Oh, he says that later, Tyler. I know, but that's not now. Is that even the correct use of the phrase hocus pocus? That's that's how one would say the phrase mumbo jumbo. Bunch of higgitus figgitus. A bunch of hooey like hokey pokey. Hokey yeah. Like, I don't even know what Hocus Pocus is supposed to be. It's, I think it's like an incantation kind of thing more than anything. Yeah, it feels more like a, feels more like a Macbeth witches would say it. (laughs) Bubble, bubble, I'm in trouble. I hate that guy. And, um. Wait, who's the bubble, bubble, I'm in trouble guy? The bus driver. And I hate him. 
Oh, oh, the bus driver later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny that you jumped right to him. I was I, like, I thought it was bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. It is. And I hate <laughs> him for doing that. Uh, among many things I hate about him. I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to incorporate bubble, bubble, I'm in trouble into my, <laughs> into my lexicon now. <laughs> so, so yeah. Max. Uh, Max Dennison is okay. from California and he's a non-believer. He, He's an L.A. dude. He's got tie-dye, long hair, and a tie-dye shirt. He's like Sunshine, <laughs> Tyler. <gasps> He's like Sunshine and Remember the Titans a little bit, which is a movie that I need to watch because it's fall and it's football season. And, yeah, I was just thinking that'd be a fun hiatus movie because it's fall and <laughs> That's football a, that, season. Truly a high school musical in the sense that it's got a great soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and, Okay. Okay, back to, um, back Max, to <laughs> Max seems like he should be being played by Paul Rudd. Like, in the, like, m- version of this movie that's, like, like a little bit better, they got the Paul Rudd budget. for this. Well, <laughs> Paul Rudd would have been too old at this point. Yeah, but, like, he's, like, that's what he's doing. Like, yeah. He's got the same sort of, like, appeal as a as a young Paul Rudd. And, and a modern-day Paul Rudd. Yeah. Paul Rudd is immortal. <laughs> Much like Thackeray Binks. <laughs> oh, is that is that? Do you think you think Paul Rudd was cursed by witches to 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 never age? But he's just like re- doing it really well. He's just like taking it great. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna be a funny guy and just like bring joy to people instead of <laughs> protecting an old house from. Someone well, we don't know where kid. Paul Rudd is every Halloween. That's true. I don't know that. Although he does go <laughs> trick-or-treating with his kids, and that's pretty cute. He went as Weird Al one year, and that was adorable. Okay. That <laughs> does sound great. So, Max, the, the, there's a the very theatrical teacher. That's definitely a Kenny Darbus. Ortega trope. Like, check off the box there. <laughs> Darbus? Theatrical. Yes. <laughs> it should have just been Allison <gasps> Reed. She would have been too young. I know, I know. But she even has props. Like, she's one-upping Miss Darbus because yeah. she's, like, throwing a, a, a thing of streamer at someone at the climax of the story. It scares him out of his sleep because he's asleep and because he's heard this for the last 15 years of his life. But Max is not buying it. He's like, these witches aren't real. There's no such thing as magic. And all this whole town loves spooky stories. And I'm not here for it. Because of capitalism. <laughs> it's all founded <laughs> oh, he, by the candy companies, man. <laughs> that is, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> um, it's a weird thing because it's like, are we trying to set up Max as like a likable guy or as like a, a, a we, like, because he's not really an outsider, like loser, like. No, he's trendy. Yeah. And he's confident. It's, it's, it's like this movie has a weird thing with its main characters. I think. I think Danny, the little sister, works. Danny's amazing. I love Danny. I think I think Allison is like a, a major whiff on a character. She's forgettable in every sense, and they did her no justice. Yeah, I mean, just like the ooh, the popular girl who is a little down for spooky Halloween activities. Like, okay, we'll talk about the romance that occurs Gross. Thro- or doesn't occur Disgusting. throughout this movie. I hate it. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, and Max ends his big speech by giving Allison his number. Because yeah, that's so weird, because it feels like it's just still the middle of class. Yeah, even though the bell, like, technically rang. Like, everyone is watching him. Like, he's he's still the center of attention. Not, like, nothing happened, and then he went, hey, Allison, just, like, here's my number. It, no, like, <laughs> he stands up in front of everybody and says, hello, girl. Number. Yeah, like, make a believer out of me is what he says. (laughs) Literally, he says, if Jimi Hendrix ends up showing up to your party, (laughs) then then here's my number. Yeah. Very, very weird. Like, okay, we got to establish that this this kid's cool. He likes music from the 60s. With his tie-dye shirt on. They meet outside where they stand under the only yellow-leaved tree um, amidst of a bunch of very green trees. This was the only scene in the movie where I was like, this doesn't feel like fall. So the funny thing, so one of my my other fun, I'll give another fun fact. It's time for another fun fact. This movie was actually shot in Salem. Really? It is. I would not have guessed that. Just because it feels like you don't even see, like, many of the road, like, you mostly are just in, like, regular neighborhood lawns and houses. Yeah, but some of it does, like, you see some houses and you're like, okay, yeah, we've driven by that house before. And they, some of the historic district, some of, like, the historic houses, they they highlight. Okay, I, I yeah, I, I would not have guessed that. It, it doesn't feel like we ever got, like, an aerial shot of the of the town or... Yeah, just in the dark. Even though the witches are constantly yeah, flying. flying. Yeah, we get one of the, like them in the dark going over the water. Yeah. And it's like, there's water? There, like, this is a coastal city? Like, but that's yeah, never... Salem is. It's a maritime. <laughs> Relied on maritime. So Max and Allison meet back outside, and she sneakily gives him back his number, shuts Which him is down. Amazing. And... Fast forward, fast forward, Max goes home. He gets bullied by Jay and Ice. Yep. Who are super cringe. And they're like trying to be punky, but they're dissociated punk, basically, or dis- dissociated grunge. Like there's several steps between them. Like a friend of a friend read about Nirvana and told them about it. And they were like, <laughs> yo, let's be like those guys. But I think they're just like sh- shaved head name. They're shorthand bullies. Like that's all it is. <laughs> and I, 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 I will admit the 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 gag where he has ice shaved into the back of his head like is a funny gag. It is a funny joke because he's like, I'm um, ice now. Remember? And then he turns around and he's ice. <laughs> <laughs> they steal Max's shoes. This is like the sort of bullying. It's like they're just hanging out in a graveyard, and a kid walks by, and they decide that. He uh, he owes them money. Like, I guess that's how a bully would go. But like a lazy bully. It's, it's like it's like a Stephen King bully who's just like malicious for no reason. Like that's. Yeah. Like they call him Hollywood. It's also interesting because there's like the there's like the setup of like there's the, the Jay who's like the long haired blonde one. And then there's the more squat one. And just, you know, Jay and Silent Bob being the Kevin Smith characters. Mm hmm. Where also Jay is like the long-haired blonde one, but th- in this in this movie they both talk, so it's not like they have opposite personalities or anything. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that like 
the, the J character is like looks almost exactly like Jason Mewes and Clerks. Oh, that is interesting. And Max goes home. And he's mad. His family is still unpacking. They've only lived in town for a couple weeks. I can't believe you made me move here. Yeah, it's one of those, <laughs> oh, I'm mad that I we had to move coast, which like is very jarring. Like he moved time zones. Yeah, and all of his friends are in California listening to ooh, what was a popular band in California in 1993. I guess we I guess we hadn't had the ska uptick yet. No, so not yet. They were still probably just listening to hair bands and um if they were cool they were listening to Nirvana, but He's probably like a Jimi Hendrix, although he does play the drums. So maybe yeah. he's a little bit edgier. It's hard it's hard to say because they do not really flesh out his personality no, that much. Not at all. And it's funny too because the kitchen is still a mess. There's boxes everywhere and then Max climbs to the top of his house which has a cupola so he can oversee the city and his room is fully unpacked. He has a fish tank. He lies down in his bed. His drum kit is set up. And it does one of those funny, they do one of those funny horror cliches in that someone's looking at him from the closet. And, oh no, it's his little sister. His eight-year-old little sister who hears him moaning about Allison. Oh, yeah. He's having like a personal moment where he's hugging a pillow. It's very weird. It's so weird. It's like, this is a kid's movie. There's a lot of times in this movie that I'm like, this is a kid's movie. Maybe. Well, they they spend a lot of time talking about whether he's a virgin. Yeah. And I mean, they use. Um, so we're going to play by their rules and they use the words damned and hell and. Uh, yes, but wench, in like a in like a, a Christian hell context. Kinda, yeah. yeah. Christian hell kind of way. So <laughs> the devil shows up. <laughs> yeah. Danny is like, you're taking me trick-or-treating. I'm going to get lost. And Max is like, no, that's dumb. I don't want to do that. He's embarrassed still from the bullies and Allison. They set up up this conflict between Max and Danny where, like, he's the too cool older brother. And she's the precocious yet still smart, plucky kid. She, she she wants to enjoy being a kid, but she's also wise beyond her years. It, they're having kind they're kind of having their cake and eating it too. Absolutely, but, and Danny deserves every second of it. <laughs> yeah. So this this actor who plays Danny, uh, she also ends up playing another character, Enid in Ghost World, which is a Scarlett Johansson movie. Thora Birch. Yeah, Thora Birch. She she's the lead, and and Scarlett Johansson is actually the. Um, side character in Ghost World, which is a 2001 movie directed by Terry Zwykoff. And th- that's, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting ennui teenager, just kind of like trying to figure out what they want out of the world and what they want for themselves. And um, so if you want to see this actor grown up and doing like real movie roles, she also appears to be an American beauty which I haven't seen, but Ghost World is a high recommend from me. So Max obviously loses because Danny screams mom. <laughs> and he says he's going as a rapper. Danny later claims he's a little leaguer. He's just basically wearing a so coat stupid. and a baseball hat and sunglasses. It's if he is he making fun of a rapper? Is or does he like that? 
Like, does he like that look? I don't even think, like, does he say he's a rapper? I think he does. Okay, so. His mom goes, like, what are you? And he's like, I'm a rapper. And it's like, it's not. I, I guess I'm glad that he doesn't like try to quote unquote pimp out his outfit. Yeah. There's like, no racial stereotyping mixed into it. Like it's just a denim jacket or whatever, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. And a but, hat, a generic baseball hat. But his costume does objectively suck. <laughs> yeah. And look, I think the bullies are great. When they're out trick or treating, the bullies get him again. And the sister, like, tries to stand up to them and it doesn't work and he's embarrassed and that just makes the sister more mad and she cries in a hay bale that's not even at their house, just a random hay bale in a in front of a random Hey, house. Tyler, sometimes you're just an eight-year-old with a lot of feelings and you've just been scared and mad and you just need to let it out by crying into a hay bale. I think that's great. Turns out they're at Allison's house and- Surprise! They, Allison's they wicked walk, rich. They walk all the way into the house. Yeah, they see the doors like open a little and they're like, ooh, let's poke our heads in, trick or treat. Giant cauldron of candy, let's go. And then Allison catches them. They don't even poke their heads in though. They're all the way in no, the house. No, at first, when they first open the door, they're like, trick or treat. And then they just open the door and go straight for the cauldron. The, the, the thing, though, the thing though, is what I'm pointing out is it, it cuts to them being in the house. It doesn't cut to them like going, oh, I guess we're supposed to yeah. go inside. Yeah. We are now inside the house. Like, we are inside the house before they are. Allison, exactly. That's what the, the editing, like, we don't, the camera should go behind them. You're exactly right. Allison's parents are throwing some very weird masquerade where everyone's dressed up in like colonial outfits and masks. It's um, very disturbing. I think the actress who played Allison was later in Vanessa Shaw. Yeah. What's that Tom Cruise movie? Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> She's also in Eyes Wide Shut, which is <laughs> just a coincidence, I guess. Yeah. She's also um, in The Weight of Water. No time investigating what's going on at Allison's parents' parents' house. They decide to leave to go to the spooky witch sisters, and Max convinces his little sister to go with them because he wants to impress this girl. Yeah, by agreeing to dress up as Wendy and Peter Pan next year with with tights. Um, which I like that this girl's committed to. Like next year, I'm being Wendy. I'm still gonna be into Peter Pan. And it's going to be great. Yeah. Or is it just like a, I get to torture my brother for an entire year and be like, hey, we're being Wendy and Peter Pan. Enjoy those tights. <laughs> so, but yes, along the way, they've kind of set up this whole like Max wants to get rid of his sister motif. It's not even a theme. <laughs> yeah. He wants to be alone with Allison, but he's responsible for Danny because his parents are at this like parent party at the town which is also a very weird plot contrivance for this movie to have so anyway they walk all the way to the sanderson sisters house somehow somewhere (laughs) where it seems like it's far away later on they drive to it but it's it's made clear here that they have walked (laughs) well it clearly has gotten darker as the night goes on this movie all happens in one night too which i think is a strength of this movie yes 
it gets a little fuzzy towards the end where it's like they need to do it by daybreak and it's like 5 a.m. and the sun's not even close to coming up. It feels a little like it gets a little strange towards the end, but the last 20 minutes of the movie drag. That's the real problem. <laughs> and so they get okay. to this they get to the Sanderson house. Allison is giving them a little tour and we see someone's watching them from the outside. Whoa, another another one of those camera shots. Yep. <laughs> this time it's Binks. Let it be said that they turned the actual murderer's witch's house into a museum. <laughs> yep. It's not like we haven't seen that before, Tyler. Condra, well, you you know more about museums than I do. I remember I've in Salem, I've been to the Lizzie Borden house, but is that in the house that she <laughs> no. lived in actually? No. no. So uh her the Lizzie Borden house is in Rhode Island, not in Salem, first of all. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And um that is a bed and breakfast now, actually. Okay. Uh, but here's no, my question. Go ahead. Other than like your hot takes about Thomas Jefferson and going on a tour of Monticello. Uh, valid hot takes, by the way. But, like, what murderer's houses are open as museums? That's what I'm asking. Okay. Um, so, murderer houses open as museums. Yeah, uh, Jefferson and Washington. But um, besides that... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> spicy take there. See, I'm thinking... Some of our, the United States, like, big murderers, Lizzie Borden, the guy from the Chicago World's Fair, Dahmer. But, like, but, like, specifically, like, they don't, they don't build a museum in their houses, though. And they specifically, like, tore down the apartment building where Dahmer did some of his, his murders. And the, the guy from the Chicago World's Fair, like, his house burned down. They don't leave it standing and then decide to build a museum in it. No. Especially if it was a building from 1693 that would not have been. So that's where I think it it is, Tyler. Like thinking of Salem as it is right now, there are so few houses that date back to the uh, 17th century. There's, There's still just a handful of those that date back to the 18th century. So... I think the fact that the house was so old. Was it magically preserved, I think, is the question. I think there is some magic preservation because the fact that the broom and the lucky rat tail are still there infuriate Mm -hmm. me. I think the lucky rat tail is a great joke. It's a good joke, but like there's no way. There's just no way. So I think part of it is some magic preservation, but also part of it is Salem capitalizing on their lack of... Because for a long time, they wanted to get away from that. So there are so few houses still standing from that long ago because they were like, we don't want to be associated with this. And then they started capitalizing on it and like increasing their tourist industry in the 1950s. So... Like, definitely part of it is just like, okay, well, this is a house we can utilize, and this is a good spooky story. In the way they have a pirate museum in Salem, like, yeah. But who would have been maintaining the house between 1693 and 1953? Like, um, Magic is my guess. And then the other thing is when they show 1693 and they show, like, Thackeray's and everybody else's house, like, they live in, like, shacks and, like, wood, like, log cabin style houses, and the Sanderson sisters live in like a huge 
it's got a mill wheel. It's like a huge, like three story type house. And it's like, who built that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. I, I don't, I don't know how to. Yeah. Do you think the Sanderson sisters were friends with Agatha from WandaVision? Oh, <laughs> who knows? Could be. That's that's kind of what I wanted more of. I wanted like I wanted more of the crossover stuff. Like I wanted Thaddeus Binks to be in Cats, and I want. <laughs> um, I mean that would be a post uh, like that'd yeah. be something we'd make now that both like all those things exist. Considering Cats came out twenty years after, I the the movie the the play yeah. already existed. Yeah. Um, no, I set up that joke and then realized I didn't remember what the punchline that I had come up with was when I was watching the movie. But anyway, okay. So, so Max, yes. so Max, Max is having fun. He's bored and he's getting cocky again, and he's like, "You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna light the black flame candle." And Allison and Danny are both like, no, you idiot, don't do that. Even if, like, you don't believe in the curse, it's an old candle and this is an old building. (laughs) They don't even have the guts to be like, have him say, like, what? I'm not a virgin. And then he lights it and then he's like, oh, you are a virgin. Like, Well, he offers it to Allison and she's like, oh, no. (laughs) It's like. Yeah, but they like, they don't. They don't make that joke, though. Like, the, Not now. They do later. They don't state it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Which is fine, because virginity is a dumb construct that yes. shouldn't actually exist. Yes, but for a movie for 1993, yes. th- that standard isn't going to get held up, but they don't do anything with it anyway. So it's mm-hmm. a failure of writing a bit. Anyway, the the he says it's just a bunch of hocus pocus. He, he lights the candle and then oh no thunder and lightning and the and the witch sisters walk in the door from somewhere who knows where the underworld they rise up from hell and yeah and then we get the return of winnie and mary and sarah and they wander around the house trying to figure out why everything's different and what what happened and they start chasing after the kids. Yeah, Mary smells Danny, and they start. They find Danny, and Danny's like, "Oh, my sisters! How wonderful of you to be here!" And like, yeah. now that you're she back, she tries to play it off. Yeah, because yeah, she's dressed as a little witch too. So, um, I will say, I do love the costuming of the Sanderson sisters. I think they all kind of pay respect to both historical costuming and modern ideas of witches in really fun ways especially mary's costume i think is a great historical kind of marker she's got pockets lots of fun layers i but then she's got that weird flair of like her hair cone thing but and has like purple highlights throughout it and just looks fabulous and then winnie with the bright red hair which is demonic seeming but also like medieval robes almost but with sparkles She's also got like the Bride of Frankenstein style, like poofy yeah. hairstyle. And then SJP with the the corset and like the 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 poor woman outfit, basically, but it's also like a little spicy. So in their escape, 
Max does this thing where he holds the lighter up to the fire detector thing, the sprinkler, and tr- tricks them, saying it's like evil Burning rain water. Burning death. Um, which is... <laughs> Very stupid, and I wanted to ask, why didn't he just light the whole place on fire? Because they could have escaped. He needs to just distract them. He knows that that's not going to stop them necessarily, but he just needs to get away. He tries to run away, but Binks stops him and says, you got to go get that book. So he gets the book before he leaves, and they escape to a cemetery which is hallowed ground that the witches can't step foot on. But they can fly over. But so they it can fly over. Matter. I do like the gag when the when the witches get outside and they're like, the black well, for road. one, they're like, it's a road, black it's a river. black river. Yeah, that's like that's some good. They do some good physical comedy there. Yeah. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker has the Tis the firm. lucky rat tail. Yeah. And the spider that she finds in the bushes and that just she just eats. Eating. And then. The physical comedy of them, like, seeing a fire truck start driving towards them and them, like, freaking out, yeah. that was a good joke for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- their companionship humor is really, really good. Uh, their funny walk that they do while they're, like, panting and, like, moving in sync. I don't necessarily know who came up with it, but it's very clever. They later call it hag tracks. What? They, they come back to it later when they're in the school. I think Winifred says hag tracks and then they start doing the walk. I didn't realize. Oh, my God. You know, what's hilarious is in Three Busy Debras, they also have like a walk. They don't do it like arm in arm. But like whenever like all three actors just walk off off camera at the same time, they do this like very specific, hilarious walk. It's, a, it's like, what's a, what's up with comedic? physical comedy where you do a silly walk i mean come on well i feel like also like the friendship or united people walk is like especially for women and young and and young girls like there's a like that arm in arm big steppy thing that you do where you're like crossing each other's doing a big steppy yeah doing a big steppy so they're in the cemetery and the witches fly over them and raise from the dead Winifred's ex-lover who kissed Sarah. So so Winifred killed him and sewed his mouth shut with a dull needle. Billy Butcher. There's almost there's almost nothing about this character like that. That backstory, like it is only lip service. Ha ha ha. That like, <laughs> that like they had to explain that backstory, and then he like turns good later. Like it truly did not need it, to happen. Like, well, I think it more would be because- argued. I don't think he's ever bad to begin with. Like he's yeah. doing it because like well, Winifred's saying it, and he's like under he's enchanted at first, but then it seems to wear off. I think the thing for me is it. There's never any sign of. Discord being sown again, another pun between <laughs> between Sarah and Winifred. Like you would think that there'd be something like, oh, Billy the Butcher is there, and then that causes them to fight between each other. I mean, I think it's nice that the witches are always basically on the same side mm-hmm. and there's no like turning against man. each other. Yeah. Type thing. But yeah. 
Oh, and they also have started talking with the the kids have started talking with Banks and like he's been like explaining the 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 deal to them. Yeah, and he's like I've been guarding that place for 300 years and you're a moron. Okay. So so, so the other Billy thing the I butcher- just, Yeah, Billy the Butcher. Um is played by the impeccable Doug Jones who is one of the great character creature actors of our age. Uh, he's in Shape of Water. He did Hellboy. He Hellboy yeah. did Abe Sapien. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of Guillermo del Toro stuff. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's your classic. Put on a, a an absurd fish costume and be the guy inside the suit that may or may not even talk. Hey, so, Billy does talk eventually. Eventually, so. They escape into a crypt that is, for some reason, just accessible by tunnel in the in the cemetery. Plot contrivance that honestly doesn't even matter. Yeah, they, it, <laughs> Banks leads them to the street level, but they discover his immortality clause. Slight pun intended. <laughs> He gets run over by the bus that the sisters have gotten into. Yeah, we'll get there in a second. Because <laughs> I got to mentally build myself up for that one. Um, <laughs> and are basically trying to find someone to tell that they've done this to. Yeah, at this point, it's still like very ground level. They don't know. They know that they're in a situation, but they don't know how to solve it. So they first try a cop who's not really a cop because it's Halloween. Which is kind of illegal, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And the guy pulls him aside and he's like, you really a virgin? Really? And that's about the extent of a joke on uh, Max's virginity that we get. Yeah. And it's still like not even a joke. No. And then. So. The bus. The bus. So there's a basically there's just a, a creepy bus driver who's like hitting on the witches so and they first they first know that they're going to have a stressful night, so they form a calming circle. Mary suggests they form a calming circle and um, gather up to chant creepy things like Mother Scorpion Pie, and then they do a weird salute to their mother. Yeah, well, it's Adam's family humor. The, the, the witches are evil, so the things that are relaxing to them are actually gross and disgusting to everybody like else. Like the plague. <laughs> And <laughs> but then, but honestly, Adam's Adam's family humor is great. So, so good, it's so good. <laughs> I haven't watched those yet this year. And then, as they're completing their calming circle, a bus pulls up and scares them because they've never seen a motorized vehicle before. And this, the creepiest guy on the planet, opens <laughs> the bus door. It is disgusting the entire time he's on screen, and I hate him. He is misogynistic. He's just downright disgusting. Cause he's, yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't like him. He makes a really gross joke. So he's like, they're like, "What is this?" And he's like, "It's a bus. It takes you to whatever your heart desires." And Winifred's like, "We desire children." And then he makes a disgusting joke. That I don't want to repeat. And I'm mad. Yeah, he he's flirting with them. I I I didn't I haven't watched this movie as many times as you have, so like 
for me, it was like, a, oh, this scene is happening. I'll just wait for it to be over in like in general. But that's how I was through most of the movie. So like I don't have as specifically negative a reaction to it. But I agree with what you're saying. That's like, yeah, this isn't funny. <laughs> yeah. And then he just he allows Sarah. He's like, has Sarah sit on his lap and drive the bus and doesn't yes. care when they hit a bump. And he's like, oh, must have been a speed bump and not an animal. And then is like, can I get your digits, your area code? Do you want my bus route? I did like the line that would hate me in the morning. Yeah. But only because when they throw in stupid old timey talk, it's funny. Yeah. So Mary suddenly smells children. And so they stop the bus and sarah gets off of his lap and is like nah dude this is done we're done yeah which i respect it's it's the girl power of like oh we're gonna just gonna use the guy who's gonna fawn over us to get what we need out of him and then ditch him you know yeah classic so they're walking around a neighborhood and there's just a bunch of kids they're so stupid they don't realize that the kids are kids they're like oh my god they're hobgoblins and if it's, it's very it's, ridiculous it's so funny but and there's a little girl it's not funny the little girl though so they're standing in front of what will become master's house and there's a little girl dressed as an angel she runs down the the, the, oh, the this sidewalk. is a good joke she turns around curtsies at them and says bless you and the witches scream and that is that little girl <laughs> mvp that that is a great joke. I just wanted to point out that at one point, a kid in a Sonic costume walks by. Gotta go fast, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that these are generic Halloween costumes yeah. for the most part. Most of them are, and the Son- the Sonic costume is not like a store bought costume either. It's like a paper mache hedgehog. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's good. And so all of a sudden, we hear cackling the cackling of Gary Marshall. As the devil and the girl, the, the the witches scream master and drop their brooms and go to bow in front of it's like Gary Marshall. Set up for like something that should be funny that ends up being like six minutes of the movie. Yeah. That like aren't worth weird. it. <laughs> yeah. Just a little weird. So he's like, oh. You must be the Sanderson sisters, my favorite people. I haven't seen you guys in centuries. Come on into the non-smoking section. Because everybody in town knows who the Sanderson sisters are. And they also know how they dress because there's these other little little girls girls. who are dressed like them. And steal their brooms. That's super cute. I love that. And then later later on when they're at at the parents' party, like everyone immediately recognizes, oh, they're dressed up as the Sanderson sisters. So, yeah, it it's definitely a weird like it's just an excuse to get like, oh, Mary watches TV for a, like and gets scared. Winifred thinks a kitchen is a torture chamber. Yeah, it's like the jokes that we don't really need out of this movie. Yeah, like, and Penny Marshall gets to yell at Sarah Jessica Parker for dancing with with Gary Marshall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the meanwhile, oh, the, the Clark chocolate bar. Oh, it's the a fing, the finger of a man named Clark dipped in chocolate. That doesn't make sense either. That's a pretty good joke. <laughs> I don't. I didn't think so. I like. Um, I think the movie kind of starts to. Well, okay. So there's the one big thing with the big scene with the parents' party. The kids run to the big mess hall 
that all the parents are dancing in. The dad is dressed up as Dracula or Dadcula, uh, dad <laughs> which is good dad joke humor. Yeah. The mom is dressed as Madonna, and there's kind of an un- uncomfortable scene between the eight year old and the mom. It's because she's got the, you know, spiral bra on. The cone breasts. Yeah. And so that's like a like a cute idea in like this kid's movie that sometimes isn't really a kid's movie. Yeah. And uh-huh. uh, we get not the version Kenny Ortega. Th- this scene would not have existed had it not been a Kenny Ortega. <laughs> but I put a spell on you. Yeah. This is kind of like the, the torchbearer of the movie. It's this scene where, okay, we're going to get Bette Midler and the other two witches up on stage. not really singing, yeah. But really, Bette Midler to get up there and do a song and dance number. And, you know, it's built into the plot because the witches singing, like, is them casting a spell on all the parents who have to keep dancing until the night. Uh, forever, I guess. Forever, so until that they, they die. It's dance until you die. Because all of the parents in town are there, so no Except one's watching Allison's their kids. Parents. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would have been great if all of the creepy masquerade parents came to the rescue at the end. <laughs> so yeah, um, this is a fantastic performance by Bed Midler here. I love Bet Midler is a very talented performer. And this this scene, she she gets onto stage and is like, "Hi Salem, my name's Winifred. What's yours?" And I'm just like, "Yes, Bette Midler, yes, <laughs> like it's- correct." And the kids are freaking out and they're like, "Don't listen to them," but everyone's so into it. And the it, spell it, it's works a on all the parents, but not the kids. Because I think so. I think it's twofold. Fold number one: they don't repeat <laughs> the things that they chant at them. And fold number two, they're out of the room by the dance until you drop bit. Okay. Where they're actually casting this spell. But yeah, the witches say they're mecha like a high, mecha hiney ho, and the parents repeat it, and yeah. Yeah. Zombie, um, you know. Yeah, Kiwi. yeah, no, I was like, I was like, <laughs> what is it actually? It's like Melica Mystica, I think is the yeah. last two words. It's it's weird because the the I put a spell on you song is the foothold of the movie. It's like the thing that's easy to cut a commercial around. It's like the iconic scene from the movie. Mm-hmm. It feels like it should be the climax, or it should be like something that's like closer to the end of the movie. See, it's the really? all hope is lost scene. But it's not the all hope is lost scene because that's like. When the witches take away Danny at the end and they get the book back and they take Danny. Well, it really, they're up at this point. They're left to themselves. They have to yeah, figure it, it out. There, there's it no, raise, it raises the stakes. It raises the stakes for sure. So then we get Allison, they, they run away into the fish market and Kathy. Oh my God. I did it again. Mary makes a joke about spelling scrod over kids and uh, jokes about baked scrod being delicious with some butter is. or olive oil, which didn't make much sense, but, you know, still good joke. Yeah, I. The, this is where the movie kind of starts to drag because the kids trap the, the witches in, into a kiln 
a, a ceramic kiln mm-hmm. in the school. And they burn them. And they burn them, except not because they, they don't die. <laughs> yeah, because their magic is still tying them to the earth in that respect. So, yeah, they do the kiln thing and the Max and Allison and Danny go back to Max's house and they're like, whew, we did it. We beat those guys. Uh, much like Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and then they take a nap. And then a whole bunch of apple cider comes and washes them away. And Christofferson gets kidnapped. No, nope. they have to Tyler, go for Tyler, an Tyler. all for broke rescue mission. Tyler, come back. <laughs> Where did you get that nutmeg ginger apple snap? And why are you wearing that fake bandit hat? Come back, Tyler. <laughs> We're in Salem. <laughs> The, the true great fall movie is Fantastic Mr. Fox. But anyway. Over the Garden Wall. It's not a movie, but whatever. <sighs> it's a TV miniseries. Allison and Max have this like, oh, we're going to lay under a blanket together. And hasn't, hasn't our relationship bloomed in, in this yeah. romantic evening of fighting witches? Yeah. It's one of those tropes that I hate that's like, oh, a stressful situation burgeons the greatest romances. And it's like, no, they don't. Yeah. So. But Allison is like, oh, maybe there's a spell in the book to change Binks back. And so they do what Binks has been saying all along they cannot do. And they open the book. and oh, the no. And the book sends a beam of light to the witches just as Winifred was considering death. And well, they... Well, it's, it's weird, too, because the witches had gotten out of the kiln before they opened the book. So it's not like opening the book led to the witches coming back. No. No, their, their other magic did that. Yeah. The, the, them opening the book just allows the witches to find them again, even though it seems like... Winifred and the book have some sort of connection. Like she could have called the book from anywhere and it would have come to her. As long as it wasn't being held down by something. Cause she calls yeah. the book in like the graveyard at the beginning and then uh, Thackeray jumps on it. And then Max is holding it for the rest of the time. Basically this, this I, and you got to understand, I probably haven't seen this movie since I was eight, but I remember, I remember like this movie being like a kind of, high stakes thing and this sort of thing where like the the main characters take an action that causes them to greater endanger themselves is like always a it's usually a tacky move in, like from a writing standpoint but when you're a kid it works on you you're like mm-hmm. oh no they they ruined it and now like now they're out of the frying pan into the fire type yeah the witches come, they get to fly away on their um new broomstick. Yeah. Which, you know, is it's great. You get a you get a, a witch on a vacuum cleaner is always a funny gag. It's so good. And Mary is so concerned about it. It sometimes makes vacuum cleaner noises even though it's not plugged into anything, but magic, whatever. Yeah. And Sarah is on a mop. I like the wire work of them taking off is really cool because they kind of start flying before they're like really sitting on the broom. And I think that's kind of a cool effect. It is because it reflects that the magic is in them and not the object. They just use the object to look cool. Well, it seems like they do it as like a a way of focusing their 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, we don't need to get into the the magic lore of Hocus Pocus. Oh man, you mean, you mean an Harry, hour and ten minutes there, into it, and we can't? Is there something about HP? Because Harry Potter is also HP. Who's HP in this? Hocus Pocus. Oh, Hocus Pocus. I was like Winifred Sanderson. <laughs> WS. <laughs> so. The, the witches get the book book back. They take Danny and they flip uh, Max over his drum set. And, <laughs> and Allison shakes some salt around her too yes. many times. <laughs> this this is where the movie gets kind of bad for me. <laughs> yeah, this little like this interstitial bit, and then it gets better. Like this whole they couldn't have. I would have been fine if they never went home and it just, they, Danny, like, they escape, they steal Danny right away, and then go back to brewing the potion. But on their way back, Winifred decides that they, because they have the book, they're going to brew a big potion and Sarah should collect a bunch of children. So she does her song over Salem and the kids come out of bed and they're holding loose candles that are lit and it's like, how did you do that, child? And your hand is going to get burned. And most of the kids are still in their costumes. Yeah. And it's, it's explicitly said that it's 5 a.m. Yeah, because the parents haven't come home yet, Tyler. And kids don't know how to take off and put on clothes. Oh, there's that dumb... We missed that dumb bit where Jay and Ice call the Sanderson sisters ugly and then they get stolen and get hung into... Little, little cages, little cages. That are kind of being suspended above the room. Yeah. All right. So I I feel like we can kind of just like jump through the action of the ending. So the Max and Allison drive to the witch's house. They manage to rescue Danny one more time and spill the potion, except for one serving. Yeah, it seems like Max would have burnt his hand on the cauldron. Or was that Thackeray at the beginning of the movie? Someone grabs the cauldron with their bare hands and does not get burned. Thackeray. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. And yeah, and Max tricks them again with daylight savings. Rest in peace. <laughs> I was gonna. That's, that's, <laughs> I literally have Rip DST <laughs> in my notes. Even uh, if yeah. we haven't talked for a month, Tyler, we still make the same jokes. Um, yeah, let's talk about dating your movie. <laughs> wow, this movie's never going to hold up in 10 years now. National <laughs> treasure, Tyler. <laughs> oh, no. Now it's going to be even more of a historical nerd thing wow. to know about what when Daylight Savings does and doesn't matter. Wow. So, <laughs> anyway. so yeah, Max is like Daylight Savings and Allison turns the car lights on, which is like, how does she hear... Or is she just like, I'm going to just go for it now? Or does he open a window shade and that? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Despite the fact that they have most of the children wandering towards their house, they decide they specifically want revenge on Danny, who has also called them ugly or undesirable in some way. Yeah. Winifred calls her a towhead, which I did (laughs) not know what it meant back in the day, but it's like this weird phrase that I've come across more recently. And I'm like, why is this a phrase? Winifred flies her broom to catch up to their car and asks Max for his driver's permit. 
which is where the writing starts to get lazy of like, okay, are the witches unaware of modern lingo or are they maybe they heard it on that french tape when they were burning (laughs) maybe (laughs) but like you see what i mean that like yeah they 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 again they have their cake and eat it too with whether the the witches are are fishes out of water or you know like hip to the hip to the lingo hip to the jive did you almost say hip to the jive no i didn't okay yeah and they fly back to, or they drive back and fly back to the graveyard, and Billy the Butcher mouths off on Winifred and starts helping the kids. Yeah, uh, Max pulls out a knife, like a little switchblade, <laughs> and Billy, instead of being worried about like cutting him, is just like, "Let me open my mouth." And uh, Doug Jones really spits out real moths. Those are real moths coming out of his mouth, confirmed by Doug Jones. Cool. Great. Yeah. (laughs) It's gross. Um, Okay, I have a line written down here. I found it quite lovely, which I think is something a witch says in like an Adam's Family joke. Yes. So Billy says, go to hell. And Winifred's like, I've been there, actually. It was quite lovely. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Great. Great. Again, an, an Adams family joke, but those that's that's the kind of joke I like. Yeah. And the big Billy is helping the kids now. They put Danny into Billy's grave, which is not six feet deep. And <laughs> And his body never decomposed, but that's his, a whole other <laughs> Yeah. Um and they put a salt circle around Danny. And if Danny would have just stayed in that stupid in that stupid grave the rest of the ending would not have happened. And they would have just waited it out for the sun and been fine. But no, Billy's head gets knocked off, so Danny leaves the safety of the salt circle. And as the witches are attacking Binks, Allison, and Max in the hopes to get Danny... Why didn't they all just stand in a salt circle? Honestly, it's like the Indiana Jones (laughs) problem. And I don't mean to cinevasins all of my all of my points, but like, it's it's not a it's not a particularly well written movie. Specifically, earlier on, Winifred does a lot of like lightning magic where she can control people's bodies and like paralyze them, mm-hmm. and that is almost never used throughout the movie. At one point, they get chased away by a dog, and it's like, are these witches supposed to be like evil and powerful, or are they supposed to be like? Pathetic. So the my movie... theory at this point, where it is almost dawn, and like Sarah is flying really slowly, Mary's having a really hard time. The magic of there them is being the weird alive, thing with the slow flying. That is a weird thing. <laughs> the magic of their being alive is wearing off as dawn approaches. Like the candle is almost out. I wonder if it's like a a stardust witch's rule, where like as they're dying. Their but they're not growing older, which would have been a way to portray it, too. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer in Stardust, significantly better witch, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. But Bet- I think I mean, Bette Midler is so hammy in this, and it's so good. The teeth are something else. The teeth, the, the hair, the socks, the spiral boot. She's just iconic. I know it's a lot. The hair, the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> when you're staring at a witch. 
so Max makes the ultimate sacrifice for Danny because it's either Max smashes the potion or Danny gets killed and he drinks drinks the the potion, potion, thus forcing Winifred's hand and having to take his life force instead of Danny's. Which she very slowly doesn't do long enough for the sun to come up. Yeah. So as she's like, she's she becomes on hallowed ground and starts like actually sucking his soul and because she's on hallowed ground she turns into stone well, okay so yeah it's weird because she like stands on hallowed ground for like a long time <laughs> before anything happens and then the shot of her turning to stone is like weird like bad animation but then when they actually like zoom out and there's a like an actual fake statue of her. It's kind of cool looking. Yeah. So there's actually, there were seven statues created. I don't think they were all used for this. This was what I learned in the freeform fun facts. Um, so I think there freeform are two, fun that, facts. two that we actually see. One that is more tombs. The first one we see in the close up, that's more of a tombstone. It's like in relief. So it's pretty shallow. And then when we zoom out, we get the full body sculpture version of it. So I think it's just perspective that's the issue more so than anything else. It's like the depth is weird. Yeah. Well, especially when it's like the first animation of it happening live. Like it's this thing where it's like it's like two dimensionally stretched Mm -hmm. in a way that like looks very bad. And then they all turn to dust. Yeah. She turns to a statue and then she turns to dust. It's like it's a hat on a hat. Like, come on. So the the stone is the hallowed ground thing. So that's like your tro- your trolls or go- is it it goblins. It would have been cooler and- if the witches turned to stone and then there was like stones of the witches in the cemetery. And it would have made more sense when they came back in Ho- Hocus exactly. Pocus 2. Exactly. I don't want to watch Hocus Pocus 2, but I do want to know how what the logic is for them coming back. Um, I can tell you there's a second candle. <sighs> that's even worse. Okay. <laughs> I, so, I knew I wasn't going to be happy either way. <laughs> no matter what, I was going to complain. Um, I'll talk about the second secret one at twins, the end. Secret twins would have made me very happy. So, <laughs> oh my God. Secret, secret twins. twins. <laughs> <laughs> Us and our secret twin theories. <laughs> so... Thackeray's soul is also released, but he was killed in the scuffle. So, like, his soul was already, he was already regenerating, and then the witches died, and he's like, I'm free and a a human again. There's a dead cat body that Danny, like, hugs and- over. And I'm like, ugh, don't touch the dead cat body. (laughs) (laughs) Even though it is definitely just like a hunk of felt. Like it is (laughs) it is the floppiest stuffed animal you've ever did see. I really I think this is a quote for us to start wrapping things up on. What took thee so long? (laughs) (laughs) Took me three I had to wait three hundred years for a virgin to light a candle. (laughs) Um, the the freeform fun facts ended with a virgin counter. Virgin was said nine times in the movie. Wow. Yep. Truly. Condra, after after rewatching with a critical eye, what what are your thoughts? Um, it definitely... So, I watch this movie every year, anyways, 
because I enjoy Bette Midler, obviously. Yeah, more like Bette, not not even close to mid. She's like, like she's upper upper tier. Primer. Yeah. Primer. <laughs> so I definitely noticed some things that were dated in it. I mean, the bus drivers bothered me for years, but there were other things that I was like, oh, this is much more like an old style movie trope. The bullies, I think, being one of the biggest examples. I <laughs> I appreciated the parents' reaction, especially the dad's reaction. He's like, okay, what's wrong? Like, let's get into this. And, like, took it very seriously, which was something I don't think I had acknowledged in the past that I appreciated in this. But then, unfortunately, they were bewitched and couldn't help. I think Doug Jones does a very good job. He's a very talented... I mean, he he's obviously... He's like a creature guy, and that's his specialty. And But I just think his performance in this is very good. I didn't notice anything specific about Doug Jones' performance that I was like, this is great. I know people on the internet like to thirst over Billy the Butcher. I don't get that. I don't. But I was just like, it's just a normal thing. I think he says a lot with saying nothing. You can still see, like, he's annoyed, but he's doing it. There's, like, a reluctant participation, and then it becomes, like, a a, a non. Like, he just, he, you see it switch. When it, when it becomes, like, oh, I've kind of become attached to these people in, like, a weird way, and I don't want to hurt them. It's not just get the kid, it's, oh, let's kill the kid, basically. It, it's that one, when, when that happens. But, um... I I have been frustrated with Allison's character for a while, but I think Danny is so strong that it balances it out in some ways. Like, they could have given some of Danny's characteristics to Allison, and I think that would have balanced them both a little better. Because Danny's a lot, but she's also... It's weird that the final shot of the movie is on Danny because she's not the main character. It's Max. It's Max's story, that, but it kind of gets lost somewhere that it's Max's story. That is story. definitely a weakness of the movie, in my opinion. If you built it around Danny, I think it would have been slightly more interesting. But then the movie would have had to have been for a younger audience. Yeah. And and the, they're doing the like the brother and sister thing even though that like doesn't really become a major aspect of the movie. But Max does show his appreciation for Danny and like they ultimately have a kind and caring relationship that even though they go through all these things, they still care for each other. Yeah, it's weird because they're like they're doing the Max and Allison relationship and they're doing the Max and Danny relationship and neither of them really get full attention. Mm hmm. So, yeah. Um. What What were your thoughts? Not having seen it for a very long time. So yeah, we get this kind of parallelism to my non-engaging with High School Musical for all these years. I hate to just say like, yeah, it was exactly what I expected Hocus Pocus to be. But it is essentially like, oh, it's a it's a Halloween movie for kids. I was impressed by it when I when I was eight, and I remembered it having a certain reputation of being like. Oh, pretty darn good Halloween movie. And now as an adult, I'm like, okay, this is, you know, I get why it's like the cult classic nostalgia machine. People who have watched it every year for the last 20 years. I'm not going to knock your hustle. Keep enjoying this movie. Well, I at least understand like, yes, I watch the same movies every year too. And I have the same attachment to 
other mid-tier movies that people have for this movie. I think there are probably major flaws with this movie that like, if it wasn't a kid's Halloween movie would be more pronounced, but it's just supposed to like, I'm more forgiving with like this where it's like, it's just supposed to be a fun adventure romp for Mm -hmm. 10 year olds and it gets the job done. Mm -hmm. I think it drags in the last 20 minutes. I think that's so not too dissimilar from our high school musical movies. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think all movies are I like I come around to like all movies being somewhere between like a four out of ten and a seven out of ten. I just have like a like my bell curve on movies is very strong. <laughs> I yeah, I mean this is not like I'd much rather watch Adam Family Values. Yeah, Bet Midler versus Joan Cusack, not a contest. Not a contest. <laughs> but I do I think I, I do love Bet Midler still like there's something I just I respect her as an artist. And I also I, I think I mean, if that one musical number was not in it. Oh, this movie would be forgotten. Oh, 100 percent. I think which is that, weird because the musical number isn't even that long. It's like no, maybe two minutes. Yeah. Which is disappointing. And I will comment the new movie. It is basically the same plot. It feels so much the same. But. There's there's three young girls taking up their friendships and magic and trying to in, they they take up the mantle. I thought it was fun. It was fine. It was campy still. And I think Hocus Pocus one was never a great movie. Like I was not expecting Hocus <laughs> Pocus two to be amazing. They added a second musical number, so there were two musical numbers in this one. I mean, I feel like that's what you got to do to make it worth anyone's money. Like, yeah, it's make it basically the same thing. It's not a, it's a soft reboot. And I could see, I would be interested the new characters. I want a really good Disney plus series with them exploring magic. That's oh, what I remember Condra. I remembered what the joke was going to be earlier. What? I wanted Hocus Pocus and Mr. Boogity. Oh, that's right up Disney's alley. Yeah, it is. Because Mr. Boogity, well, it doesn't take place in Salem. It takes place in like the Massachusetts town, Massachusetts, like yeah. Concord or like like a very straightforward town name. Like Yeah. So Mr. Boogity, we almost did Bride of Boogity for we, our Halloween. We almost, episode. but then I would have had to watch two movies instead of just one. So You wouldn't need to watch Mr. Boogity. And Mr. Boogity's only like half an hour or 40 minutes or something. That's right. So, yeah. Um, the other note, I don't know if I mentioned very early on, the the head writer, David Kirshner, also did an American tale, which wow. I think is funny. Um, the other so, one was Mike Garris. Yeah, Mick. Mick Garris, which I, which I only remembered because there's a character in Clerks named Rick Darris. <laughs> So many clerks things today. Clerks. So, so yeah. So basically, Hocus Pocus Two is fine. We weren't gonna cover it because it's not Kenny, and I honestly couldn't imagine spending an hour and a half talking about it. Alas. <laughs> but it's fine. Like if you're a fan, watch it once. Decide for yourself. It's not great. Don't go in. It's not. It's not Nightmare Before Christmas or. 
Adam Family Values. It, it's it's just it's just like another silly Halloween movie, which is okay. That's, which that's is the okay. Thing most, <laughs> the thing with most movie recommendations, it's like if you want to see it and you're excited for it, sure. go watch it. Yeah. You'll probably like, like it. If you don't think you're going to like this type of movie, then don't. <laughs> That's my thing now is like if I have fun watching it, like I watched Mr. Malcolm's List last week, which was just like a fun movie. It was not groundbreaking in any way, shape or form. It was basically a Jane Austen story, which is fine because Jane Austen is fun. But it wasn't anything like it was just it was just fun. And that's okay for movies to be, which is what Hocus Pocus is in the first place. Like this movie got its success by being on television, which says something like it was not big in the theaters. It is lower budget. And look, we're talking about High School Musical. That's a TV movie, too, with a low budget. And here we still are celebrating High School Musical 15 years later. Yeah, the the cracks the cracks appear less on television mm-hmm. when you're like carving pumpkins and watching Hocus Pocus. Yeah, like yeah, it, your your attention is not fully on it. Yeah. So, Condor, do you have a do you have a rating for Hocus Pocus? Mm. Um, we're gonna rate rate it out of five somethings. I will rate it out of I will do three and a half. Green stripey socks. Okay. I think, so we're out of five here. Yeah. I think I will give it two and a half lucky rat tails. Okay. And 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 maybe the extra half just being for like the couple jokes in the movie that worked. Like it's really like a movie with positives and negatives. So right down the middle for me. Yeah. And I have a nostalgia factor that I probably plus one did for. Yeah. So we you said three and a half and I said two and a half? Three. Oh, you said average three. Average of three. No, I said three and a half, but average oh, okay, of three. Okay. okay, average of three. Shock that up. We'll we'll do ratings for the other movies that we happen to cover during this hiatus. All right. Well, until next time, friends. Stay spooky and have enjoy a hap- your happy spooky times. You can find us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds, even though I don't post anything. Or me personally at Tyler Booty, T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y. Keep sending us emails. Send us, a, send us a movie suggestion of something we should cover during the hiatus. Yeah, or send us your rating of Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Don't forget to tell us what it's out of, what, what type of thing it's out of. Yep. That's very important to the rating system. Four out of five rapper costumes. <laughs> Clark Fingers. Daylight Savings Times. <laughs> you, But send us those emails to amateurnerdspresent at gmail.com. And special thanks to our artist who may or may not be on this one, uh, Theo well, Golden. probably. Ha- probably. <laughs> we don't have a generic Amateur Nerds logo, so. Yeah. Uh, special thanks to Theo, uh, who you can find at T Golden Art on Instagram. And our musician is Joe Winslow, whom you can find at joewinslowmusic.com. I have been Condra. And I've been Tyler. We'll see you next time. Sometime. Sometime. Oh, I don't have a sign-off. Um, for a, another another random movie, you can bet on it. <laughs> <laughs>